This is the Business Storytelling Podcast with Christoph Trapp, available on Google, Spotify, Apple, Pandora, and other podcast channels. Want to play it on your iPhone? Just ask Siri to play the Christoph Trapp Business Storytelling Podcast, also available on Alexa. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Hey, business storytellers, it's Christoph Trapp, your host and author of Content Performance Culture. How's everyone doing? Thanks for listening to another episode. We are continuing with four episodes a week um, and people are listening. So we're going we're gonna to keep pumping them out and sharing all this knowledge and having all these great guests. Today, I want to talk about how to make a point. What's a point? How do you get to the point? Sounds simple enough. But of course, nothing is simple anymore if it ever was. We don't want to say the good old times. Um, today's guest is an exec- uh, communications executive, Joel Schwartzberg, who will help us unpack that topic and see how can we communicate better and uh, move forward. Joel, how's it going? It's going well, Christoph. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, you bet. So making a po- I make points all the time. Uh, sometimes I have to repeat myself quite frequently. Sure. But, um, you know, tell, tell me about um, what are we talking about when we say we, we want to make a point and, and, and how, how do we get there? Right. Well, it's not an unfamiliar word. We use it all the time. In fact, we're often telling people, hey, get to the point or what's your point? But the problem I've noticed in my 15 years of public speaking consulting, and I actually noticed it several years into my training, was that while people are making speeches and they're making comments and remarks, they often don't know what a point is because they reveal that they don't have one. And when speakers ramble or when storytellers ramble, it's not because they're not confident or bad public speakers. It's most often because they don't know what their point is or what a point is. Most people confuse points for things like themes, titles, ideas, concepts, sometimes chapters, uh, catchphrases, And these are not points because a point is a proposition you can make a case for, defend or illustrate. It is not a topic or a subject. And it's best articulated through an example. Uh, Let's take podcasting, something you know about. The word podcasting is not a point. So if I asked you, Christoph, what's the point of your talk today? And you said podcasting, I wouldn't know if you're saying podcasting is good or bad, effective or ineffective. What audience does podcasting reach? What are the best ways to podcast? You basically told me nothing and made no contention. Uh, So you might say, all right, well, how about the importance of podcasting? But even that doesn't tell me what makes it important and what is an unimportant versus important podcast. And to tell you the truth, Christoph, what's important to you may not be important to me. So we really have to dig deeper. And it's not until you say something like, well, podcasting is a valuable medium to reach millennials. And I'm just throwing that out there, by the way. But then you're making a contention. You could tell from the DNA of it that you're making an argument that you could provide a case for, reasoning, data, studies, stories. And so what I train people to do is to understand, first, the difference between a point and not a point, making what what we would call in our the speech and debate world, which I come from, an argument. Uh, versus just kind of throwing something out there and transferring the burden to your audience to really attach relevance to it. So it's really all about figuring out what your point is. And then once you're at that first step, then it's about sharpening it and making it stronger so you can truly champion it. 
So it's kind of, it's, it's a little bit, it sounds like it's a statement, right? Like, um, podcasting is good because of whatever, or, you know, something, um, right. It's sort of, do a, I understand that correctly? Pretty much, but a statement is broad. I would call it a proposal. And, you know, I really, really want people to understand if what they have is a point or not. So I developed this test called the I Believe That Test. And basically, you take what you think your point is, and you put the words I Believe That in front of it. And your goal is to come up with a complete sentence, uh, not a fragment, not a run-on, something that would impress your fourth grade language arts teacher, uh, and with just a little bit of tweaking. Now, if, you, if it is not a complete sentence, then you have to reimagine it. So for example, you can't say, I believe that podcasting, or I believe that marketing to millennials, or I believe that the importance of uh, you know, news with integrity. These are not complete sentences. So you don't actually get to a, a complete sentence until you say that I believe that marketing to millennials is the best way to uh, bring success to our brand. That is a complete sentence. And then from there, you can work on making that stronger. So it's a really easy test and I encourage people to use it. It doesn't mean you have to say the words, I believe that, although there is value to that in certain cases, but it forces you to make a contention. It forces you to go from, I believe that successful podcasting to, I believe that podcasting is the best way to attract people to our brand. Well, and of course, if you say that, right, I mean, as a former journalist here, of course, mm -hmm. I, I believe is a little bit of a trigger word. So I'll, I'll be, I'll admit that. Um, uh, but then once you make a point, you, you have to kind of, you have to prove it, right? So if I'm right. saying, if my point is that podcasting is good to attract whoever, millennials or whatever, um, now I have to, like, how do I know that? Is it just uh, that's right. the as, as my fine. latest uh, yeah. thing? As the why guru Simon Sinek uh, counsels us, uh, you want to know your why. And I'm saying you need to include it in your point. And like I said, I believe that can come or go. In a very narrow case, if you need to attach personal credibility to something in a speech, uh, I believe that can be effective, but it is not necessary. It is just part of the test. But you're right. It's about infusing your point with the why and not just a why like, oh, it's great, or it's very good, or it's successful, but a detailed value-connected why. Like, if we do this right, we will save more lives. If we do this right, we will sell more Coca-Cola. Yeah, you know, uh, circling back to the uh, storyteller example you gave earlier, where, where storytellers ramble, I think especially when it comes to storytelling, is sometimes different audiences need different um details you know right. and sometimes it's 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 actually hard right to figure out what do they need to know and then of course you still have that internal audience and i sometimes i call that approval hell mm -hmm. where um you got to please the internal audience and the external audience could care less about you know whether or not you have to walk down a long hallway they just want to know about the window that's broken in the second room to the right you know right. for example um so how do we go ahead Oh, well, finish your sentence. Please finish your question. Yeah. How, how, how do we um, how do we hone those skills to, to, to pick the right details to to get our point across? And um, yeah, how do how do we do that? OK, well, 
You're right. You need to understand your audience. And we hear that from every sort of public speaking trainer. Uh, but let's sort of deconstruct this a bit. When you make an expression, whether you're telling a story, giving a speech, writing an email, what is your goal? Your goal is not about the output coming from you. Your goal is the impact hitting your audience. So the, the very important critical question is, what do I want my audience to do or think anew as a result of my communication? That is impact. And if you know your audience well, uh, you'll know what you need them to think anew or to do. Now, if it's an internal audience, they may not need the context or the history, or they may need a specific directive that achieves a larger goal, as opposed to a general audience that you're at a conference where you're trying to make them more aware. So am I trying to empower my audience? Am I trying to make them more aware? Am I trying to give them an action step or something, a directive that they need to turn around by next week? So these are all crucial questions you need to ask ahead of time. And as you do, it's really important to, as I like to say, make sure your point ends with the highest value outcome. So often I'll speak to nonprofits whose goal is to save the world or save lives. And they'll give a speech about increasing website traffic or having more outposts or facilities around the country, or even bringing more money into the organization. And I would always say, well, what does that lead to? And eventually through that line of questioning, we get to save more lives, sell more Coca-Cola, uh, make the world a healthier place. And audiences want to hear that final goal. Often we assume they know it already. I don't need to say that if we do this right, we're gonna save more lives. But as human beings, we want to hear that. That definitely makes a difference to us. So it's important to be very explicit about that. And another thing, Christoph, I wanted to mention because we you deal with storytelling, something I'm gonna say may be controversial, but I. I really believe in it. The most important part of a story is not the story. Because the story, ideally, is a vehicle through which your point travels. You're illustrating your point through that story. And if we can accept that, that your story is not to entertain, ideally not just to icebreak, but to illustrate your point, then the most important part of the story is at the end of the story where the speaker says, this is a great example of why we must. This case study shows why we should. This story illustrates the importance of X. Now, I often never hear that. Sometimes people tell the story and then they move on. Uh, but those words are critical because that's the job. The job is not telling the story. The job is making the story relevant. I mean, I, I don't really know why that even would be controversial as much as as much fun as storytelling can be. Right. But, but but you want to illustrate some point you're trying to make. Does does your point and your story, does it always need to lead to action by the audience? Or how, how do you feel about that? My advice is always that the story needs to be illustration of your point. I mean, to me, the point, once you have it, you know it, you've sharpened it. That is the foundation the vital piece, the nucleus of everything that comes around of it, around it, because your goal as a communicator is to prove that point, come hell or high water, perfectly or imperfectly. Uh, that's why I say never aim for perfection, never try to be Steve Jobs or Michelle Obama. Uh, your goal is not to be remembered as a great communicator or a great storyteller. 
What does that do for you? Maybe it gets you more public speaking or storytelling gigs, but I'm going to think that for most of your audience, that's not the goal. The goal is to have an impact on your audience so they do something else. Now, to your question, I don't think you need to explicitly, it's a nice to have, we call a need to have, not necessarily a need to have, uh, for the story to illustrate an action step for the audience. But I do believe the story must always be an illustration of your point. And since audience audiences gravitate to stories, a story is a great way to illustrate your point. But again, it's not enough for the story to be riveting. It must be relevant. Relevancy, I think, is, is what a lot of companies and, and people are struggling with, quite frankly. And then also, how is that point actually or that story shared mm -hmm. um, in a way that people can consume it? I'll give you an example. I actually shared this here. Brian Kramer shared it first um, from Golden Gate Blonde, put it together, I guess. Mm -hmm. And it's just it's a it's a, a pie chart. Outcome of political arguments on Facebook, mm -hmm. green, you changed your mind, and there's no green in the pie chart. <laughs> blue, they change, they changed their mind. There's no blue in the pie chart. And no one changes anything, and everyone's pissed. Red, the whole pie chart is red. And um, so I, I see it all the time, right? People are trying to uh, make their point, so to speak. This is, you know, what I, I believe or whatever, or this mm -hmm. is what I know. Um, but it just leads to tension. It just, and it doesn't lead to anything. In fact, I, I would agree with this chart, quite frankly. Uh, and I'm, I'm trying to tune out politics. <laughs> right. get into politics. Right. But, but how common, I mean, that's, you, you see that too, right? Like people are, um not necessarily like they're not being convinced or they're not they're not listening or, or how do you feel about that um what's happening there well i believe that politics is uh tribalistic and within the world of politics yes these days with matters as they are it's going to be very hard to change someone's mind change someone's mind or, or move them to a certain piece of action but communications is not tribalistic and politics, even though we're, uh, we see it everywhere, you know, politics, we have to remember that most people are communicating in contexts that have nothing to do with politics. And one of the best illustrations of using a story to illustrate your point is from commencement speeches, which we've all seen, or we see that sort of roundup every May or June. And the best commencement speeches always feature a story, be it a personal story, or a third party story. It doesn't have to be, uh, you know, a groundbreaking, traumatic moment in your life. It could be something very simple. But you're using that very riveting and resonant vehicle to make your point. And I counsel CEOs, executives, people are applying for jobs, people are doing job reviews, people are pitching or selling ideas. And in those worlds, we don't have those trappings and those constraints of politics. That is just how do I make my point? so that it is received by the other party in a way that gets them to do what I need them to do. And what are the difference, differences in, you know, written communication and and face-to-face, -face, I guess, uh, I don't know if, I mean, at some point we'll get back to face-to-face, -to -face, I would think. Yeah, what we do uh, on Zoom. Verbal. Yeah, yeah, and you and I are doing it. Um, and that, you know, those similarities help me answer your question. Over time, I think the... The best and most specific answer to that question is when you read something, you're processing it on your time. 
you could stop, you could read it again, you could save it, you can go as slowly as you want to to digest it. But when you're listening to it or watching it, you are now subject to the speaker's time because you cannot go back. <laughs> you cannot save it in traditional ways. You don't have time to review it. And here's something I always tell my clients, Christoph, and that is that everyone has to realize that your audience needs twice as long to digest your point as you need to say it. Because when we say something like you and I are doing right now or a speech, what are we doing? We're conceiving it and we're saying it. What is, you know, we're familiar with it. We may have been wrestling with it for weeks, but the audience, they need to hear it, digest it, process it, attach relevance to it, decide if it's meaningful for them. Should I write it down? Should I tweet it? Uh, should I share it with someone? All these things happen. And meanwhile, the speaker, if they're going at a quick pace, is three or four points down the road. So speakers and communicators need to understand that whatever medium they're using, and particularly in a spoken or a video, video meeting, not so much in a written format, that you need to slow down, embrace pauses, uh, stop and start so that your audience has the time that they would in a written communication. Now, because written communications are on the receiver's time, uh, you can go into detail, but make it easy for them. Break up paragraphs. I always say uh, never have a paragraph of more than three sentences. I always often have paragraphs of one sentence or two sentences. I use bullets. I'm basically using every way I can to make it easy for my audience to, if possible, get this information by scanning, if not outright reading. Nobody wants to read a novel unless they're reading a novel. Uh, and so that they can process it well. But you're most hampered and you have the most obstacles, obviously, when you're speaking or when you're on video, because that's on your time, not their time. So we need to deliberately understand that and deliberately slow down so that the audience can digest and process it. Yeah, and so we, I'm still planning on having somebody from this uh, platform, the CEO, I don't remember the name of the platform, but they used the Content Tech Summit um, on the show. And basically what they did, I'm, I'm pretty sure Content Marketing World used the same, mm -hmm. uh, the same platform. Um, and so the, the sessions that are recorded, you know, instead of having to watch it, like the whole thing, if you don't want to, on the left, it has the agenda. So, for example, the, the session I watched um, about um, content migration, and we did have a show on that, so please go back and listen to that. And there was a live stream on ctrap.online forward slash LinkedIn. Um, and, you know, it said introduction, overview of the company, mm -hmm. agenda, whatever. And I was like, oh, whatever, I don't have time for that. I clicked. I'm like, oh, but this next section is interesting. So I clicked to the next section, right. and then I watch that and then I clicked ahead. And um, so it's what's interesting about that too, uh, you know, Joel, quite frankly, is I like the live interaction, especially, you know, as a speaker, I like to go speak, mm -hmm. you know, and I like to travel when we do that in a normal environment. But as a consumer, I also like that model because I don't have to sit there and listen to this stuff I don't want to listen to, right? right? You can cut ahead, you can pause it, you can uh, you know, whatnot. And it's, it's really interesting. And I, I think podcasts will probably get there at some point. And to an extent, some podcasts already do that. They publish the time codes and say, right. at this time, Joel and I talk about whatever. 
Um, so there is, it, it's interesting, you know, how that's going to evolve. Yeah, that makes um, a lot of sense. Talk about but, segmenting, right? So instead of this clunky way of saying, well, forward to 222, there's got to be a better way than that, right? Right, so they can just think on it. But so from a consumer perspective that, you know, that makes sense and that's great. But if people are just skipping around my podcast or my, my keynote, might they lose my overarching point? I mean, I'm thinking about a keynote. I'm, I'm making all kinds of points throughout, right? But the killer will probably be at the end, right? Like this is like the takeaway or, you know what I mean? Like here's my right. finale. I mean, are there, you know, people skipping around like that? Is that a potential problem for communication? It is a challenge. But something I always say is you can never say your point too many times. Uh, audiences will never come away thinking, you know what? Christoph did a great podcast today, but he just made his point way too many times. Uh, it's because we recognize that the point is the piece of value. It's a gift. So when I counsel speakers, let's say they're using PowerPoint. I counsel them to, at the end of each slide, say this information on this slide is important because or it's relevant because look for every opportunity to reinforce that point. Now, audiences, even if they may skip around, they'll probably listen to the very beginning and they'll likely listen to the very end. And we know this as communicators. And so those are crucial places to make the point clear. In the opening, this is who I am. Here's the point I want to make. And this is what the relevance it has on your professional life. And at the end, so to reinforce, sometimes we do say in conclusion, uh, this is the idea, the big takeaway I want you to leave with. But because people can skip around in some of these settings, I really encourage my speakers to reinforce it in many ways because you don't want them to take away just a detail or a factoid or a supporting fact. You ultimately want them to take away the big point, having been proven and supported by the rest of your communication. Yeah, very interesting. Of course, that's a recurring um message on the show where uh where people um talk about you have to repeat yourself and and i think communication sometimes is really uh, like being a parent right. right you just have to keep saying the same right. thing over as long as you're over, saying your over. point you know some people say well this politician i got tired of them saying xyz and that's usually not because they repeated a point that's usually because they repeated a catchphrase uh something that's uh, relatively hollow if someone is making a true point, I contend that uh, they can say it multiple times and they should to make sure people leave with it. Sometimes I get annoyed when I see presentations that end with the last piece of data or they say, oh, that's all I got. Or, well, that's the last slide. So as if it were all just a race to get to the finish line and not about leaving the audience with a very important point. Yeah. Um so, of course, uh, Joe, you wrote, get to the point, sharpen your message and make your words matter, um, which uh, you published a, a couple years ago. Uh, looks like a fantastic rating on uh, Amazon. If you guys want to check that out, ctrap.online forward slash Joe, J-O-E-L. That sends you right over to the Amazon page. Uh, Joel, what prompted you to write the write the book a, a couple of years ago? Yeah. Well, as I was training people, you know, I wrote the book in 2017. That's when it came out. And I've been training people since 2016, uh, 2006, excuse me. And I really believe that as I learned about the importance of the point, it was a fresh idea. It was people have heard before get to the point. 
But what they haven't heard before is, do you really know what a point is? And I consider uh, my work, my thinking, I like to keep it open source, as they say in the tech world. So I like to share as much of it as possible. So I realized that, well, there are a million books out there in public speaking and a million books on corporate communication or business communication. No one was really getting to this idea of what a point is. And if you don't have a point, that's when you should be nervous. That's when you're setting yourself up for epic fail. So I contacted uh, this publisher that does uh, business publishing, Barrett Kohler out in Oakland, and they liked the idea. In fact, what I pitched to them was a rather larger public speaking book that focused on get to the point. And they turned around to me and said, well, you should practice what you preach. Let's make this all about get to the point and let's keep it under 20,000 words. Because if I can't make my point in a short book, then I'm like a dentist with bad teeth. So I like that challenge. And we kept the book hyper-focused in that way and to be very nuts and bolts and give out a lot of tactics and ideas versus being overly philosophical. Yeah. And so we always have people out there who are um, overthinking everything, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I know things are complicated and we have to think it through. I'm a big fan of collaboration here. Of course, we talk about that in content performance, that online. Uh, but but how about... Everyone wants to move their content from happening to performing, and it's possible. Check out my latest book with the latest tips and tricks and advice on how to establish that content performance culture. It's possible. The book is available at contentperformance.online. What tips do you have for people not to overthink it, right? Uh, and, and actually start sharing um, right. their knowledge or trying to get to the point. How do we, you know, I mean, we, we can't have a six month planning process every time we need to make any kind of point anywhere, right? Right. And this reminds me of my favorite uh, quote about this from Albert Einstein of all people, who said, if you can't explain it simply, you don't understand it well enough. And this is one of the reasons I developed the I Believe That test to help people boil their point down. You know, one of the reasons I like that Albert Einstein quote is because it counsels us that to get to the point, it's not just about cutting words and thinking, oh, less is more, so I'll just make this shorter. It's really about understanding what your point is. And that process, if you do it deliberately, and if you use the I believe that test, or just ask yourself, what is the why, you will find yourself subtracting more than you're adding and getting down to the, the really root of your point. And that's the goal, to make it smaller, not bigger. And then when you create your communication, just find ways to support that point. Don't leave that point. Don't have multiple points uh, or try not to have multiple points. Sometimes I have clients who they'll say something like, this is a great idea because it'll make us more powerful, efficient, successful, effective, uh, efficient, uh, memorable, uh, smart, brand worthy. You know, they'll say nine different things. And in their heads, they'll think, oh, well, this is good. The more information, the better. I'm just saying nine things instead of one thing, and that's got to be better, right? It's like a Christmas tree. The more ornaments, the more vibrant it'll be. Uh, but that's actually not the truth. Audiences need fewer details. They need it simpler. Something I often say, Christoph, is if you tell an audience many things, they may remember none. Tell them some things, they may remember some. Tell them one thing, and they will remember all. 
So you may have multiple points, but separate and delineate them. First, I'm gonna talk about how this affects our organization. After that, we're gonna discuss why I believe this could have an impact on the world. And then finally, we're gonna look at some tactics each of us can take to advance this issue and our cause. So see how I put space and chapter breaks between each of those points. So yeah, there are overthinkers out there and you need to sort of divorce yourself from it, but not by saying, I can't overthink this. You know, very few people can correct themselves by saying, stop doing that. It's like smoking or like telling yourself not to sneeze. That's not gonna happen. So what I like to do is give people tools that enable them to boil something down. For example, I'm a naturally fast talker. That's my challenge, Christoph. I work on, I'm gonna be working on that uh, till my last speaking day. But I can't improve by telling myself, Joel, you need to stop speaking so quickly. Uh, I need that Nicorette, if you will. And for me, that's about volume and pausing. If I speak louder, I don't have enough breath to actually speak so quickly. And if I pause, I bring my speedometer down to zero which means that I'll start slower in the beginning, even if I work my way up to faster. So for people who overthink, they need to work on what they need to do, not what they need to stop doing in order to boil these points down. Yeah, very interesting. Of course, when you're speaking, I see that all the time. Sometimes, um, you know, I'm thinking, oh, I'm speaking really slowly, or sometimes I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I really, uh, I was too to the point and I play the playback and it sounds just fine or it sounds, you know, a different way. So it's that's it's always an interesting dilemma. Um, yeah, I always so talk about the voice can... in your head. There's a just quickly, there's a voice in your head right. that we usually rely on to tell us to look both ways before we cross the street and things like that. But in terms of public speaking, I've actually found that voice very problematic. And I ask people to visualize it coming from your own insecurity not from a place of knowledge or good intuition. It wants you to be more insecure and it will lie to you and tell you that your audience is bored. You've been speaking too long. You make your points too many times. You're too loud. Uh, the only way to know if you're making your point effectively is to go right to the source. Ask someone in your audience, what point do you think I was trying to make? Or this was the point I was trying to uh, put out there. Did you receive it? Of course, if you ask your audience, and just something to keep in mind, I've done I've done the interactive speaking before, and sometimes people think there's a right or wrong answer, right? And they, nobody wants to be perceived to be wrong. Interestingly, right. Joe, very very interesting topic. I hope people check out your book, Sea Trap, down online forward slash Joe. Any other places where they should connect with you? Uh, like I said, I like to be open source, so I give out a lot of information, the pieces I've written for Fast Company or Harvard Business Review. They could find all that and more information about the book at www.joelschwartzberg.net. And I invite everyone to follow me on uh, Twitter at The Joel Truth, T-H-E-J-O-E-L-T-R-U-T-H, where I'm always sharing these tips. Yeah, and of course that is where we connected. And, and one tip for everyone listening, uh, you know, we get I get pitches all the time. People want to come on the show. My favorite one always is when people say, uh, "Can I come on the show talk about storytelling?" And then my, oh, you, can you guess my answer, Joel? Of course it is. What about it? Right. <laughs> What's exactly. your point? Right. <laughs> right. What is it about storytelling? You're trying to get it correct. It's a good tool. Right. 
So, you know, what's, what's interesting, my, my, my tip for everyone is if you want to be on a podcast, do, do some of the things Joel and other people do, be out there, share value. And that's how Joel and I connected. He said something um, that I thought you guys would find interesting. So I reached out to Joel. Joel didn't pitch me. Joel didn't send any messages to me. I, I saw something he said. I was like, I think we can talk about that for, for the 30-minute episode. And you guys might testing. So he, he does a nice job on Twitter uh, getting to the point. Joel, thanks again for listening. Uh, not listening. Thanks again for joining me and sharing your insights and for listening, I guess. Um, really appreciate you. Uh, it was my pleasure, Christoph. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Until next time.